0: Welcome to the Hockey Hotbed here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Thank you guys for joining me on what is a massive week of previews here for the Hockey Hotbed. If you tuned in to last Friday's episode, we previewed the Central Division. I gave you my bottom four, and I gave you my top four of the Central Division heading in to the 2021-22 season. We're going to continue along that theme this week, starting With today's episode, where I'm going to talk about the Atlantic Division, my top four and bottom four, and the storylines for each of the eight teams here. And then a little bit later in the week, we're going to go over to the Pacific Coast and talk about the Pacific Division. In my opinion, that division is going to be the weakest in the NHL. A layup, in my opinion, honestly, for the Vegas Golden Knights. But we'll get to that on Friday's episode. But thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Hockey Hotbed. Like I mentioned earlier, Going to be talking a lot of Atlantic Division. I wanted to start out the episode with some news from around the NHL, but unfortunately just not that much news since Friday. Not many signings to speak of. Of course, we still have the three big RFAs still unsigned and on the board in Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes, and Brady Kachuk. So no movement as far as that. So let's just get straight in. To the Atlantic Division breakdown. And I'm going to do it the same way that I did it last week. Starting with the bottom four teams in this division. Now this is not a ranking in any way. This is not who I think is going to be last, second to last. This is who I think is going to finish in the bottom four. From where we stand today, this is what I think. Not official predictions, but just the bottom four going into the season. Shoot, they could change by the time the season starts. But let's start with a team... That's probably not going to change. And that's the Buffalo Sabres. Not only did this team have an abysmal 2020 and 21 season, they're set to have another abysmal season on their hands here. And realistically, it's all thanks to their ownership. And as well, thanks to Kevin Adams. But how much of this is Kevin Adams versus how much of this is the Pagoulas? We'll never know. But the Buffalo Sabres have run this organization pretty much into the ground. When it comes to rebuilds, they have not really started off all that well. I mean, they didn't even get to the end of their last rebuild before now they have to start a new one. It's not a good look for them. And obviously, the news of the offseason all centered around one man, and it's still not figured out as of right now. And that man is Jack Eichel. They have not figured out the Jack Eichel saga. It still looms over their heads at the start of training camp. And from the looks of it, honestly, we don't know when this is going to end. This might loom over this team into the regular season, which in my opinion is one of the biggest mistakes that I've seen a hockey team make in the last decade at least. I understand Jack Eichel is an amazing talent and you don't want to lose him for nothing if you're Buffalo. But the fact is every day that you still have him on your roster, when we all know he's never going to play another game in Buffalo Sabres Blue. The fact is, when you have him still on your roster, every day that goes by is another day that he doesn't get the surgery and another day into the season that he is not going to be able to play. At this point, is he even going to be able to play in the Olympics? Probably not. A lot of Team USA fans are not going to be happy when this guy is not going to be on the team. We expect Team USA to be better than they have been In a long time. But at the same time, Jack Eichel was a big part of that. He probably, at this point, since he has yet to have the surgery, is not going to be available for the 2022 Olympics. And on a human level, Jack Eichel needs surgery. He has needed surgery for a long time. And the Buffalo Sabres wanting a certain way and him wanting a certain way. The fact is, the the kid needs surgery. He's a promising young stud In the NHL. And yes, I get he's into his mid-20s now. But he should be one of the top 10 players in the NHL. And right now he's on the shelf. And right now he's employed by a team that he's never going to play for again. I want it to get done. For Jack, I want it to get done. For the Buffalo Sabres organization to move on as a whole. And I want it to get done for those fans. If you've heard me on any platform that I'm on. When I talk about the Buffalo Sabres, I almost always mention that they have one of the top fan bases in the NHL. They were promised a lot of things whenever the Sabres brought in Jack Eichel, second overall in 2015. That rebuild is a dud. And now this is the last piece of that so-called rebuild, considering they didn't build to anything, really. Get rid of him, start fresh, and build something in Buffalo. Now, I don't want to talk specifically just about Jack Eichel because I understand, you know, he shows up to camp. They strip him of his captaincy. That's another bad look on on Buffalo. But that's not all that has happened for the Buffalo Sabres. A a lot has happened, but that is not the only thing that has happened this offseason for the Buffalo Sabres. They did start the rebuild. They traded away a guy like Sam Reinhart, a guy that was one of the leaders on this team. One of the guys that had probably the most... Other than Jack Eichel, this guy was going to garter the best return. So they lose Sam Reinhart. They trade Rasmus Ristolainen, who honestly is not that good of a player, but he was this team's, one of this team's best defensemen. It's saying a lot there. They trade him to Philly. They lose Olmark. They lose Carter Hutton. They bring in a guy like Craig Anderson. He's a stopgap until you can figure out who your guy is. I know they have a young stud, and I don't want to try to say his name without it in front of me because my memory and my pronunciation are not going to work together for me to get the name. But you know who I'm talking about if you're a Sabres fan, and you know who I'm talking about if you're an NHL fan. I think it's Uko Peko Lekanen, something like that. I I butchered it. I know I did. I'm sorry. So the point is, this season is basically a wash if you're a Buffalo Sabres fan. You don't have any hope. To be a playoff team, you don't have any hope to to even really contend for a playoff spot. Is this team going to be good? No, it's not. It's going to be another rough season if you're a Sabres fan. They're going to be battling Arizona for last place. I mean, hey, if you get Shane Wright out of it, that helps. That helps a lot. Shane Wright is going to be a dynamic player in the NHL. And he is the for sure number one overall pick. But when I look at that, is it going to change what's going on in Buffalo? I don't know. Like I said, they drafted Eichel in 2015. That was six years ago. And you're you're already at this messy divorce that has been waiting in the wings for over a year now. You drafted Rasmus Dahlin first overall. You just drafted Owen Power first overall. Yeah, they have some good young players. I do like Victor Olofsson. It's a shame that he's not really going to be playing with very, pretty much anybody in Buffalo this year. I mean, I guess Jeff Skinner, if he can regain any type of form. But the Buffalo Sabres, it's just not it. Unfortunately, again, I feel bad for that fan base. Because even whenever Jack Eichel and the Sabres got off to those hot starts a couple years ago in 2019-20, I said, you know what? It would be absolutely awesome to see the Buffalo Sabres back in the playoffs. Not only because I wanted to see Jack Eichel selfishly in the playoffs, but also because I wanted to see those fans. I mean, the team and the fan base deserve more. And they're just not getting it right now. That's the point. And it's going to be another bad season in Buffalo. Moving on to another team that's, that's probably going to be at the bottom of the heap most of the season is the Detroit Red Wings. A couple of seasons back, they had one of the historically worst seasons in NHL history. But that's okay because if you ask anybody from Detroit, the eyes plan is in full effect. We're moving towards something great. And to be fair, when you were as good as the Red Wings were for as long as they were, you're going to have a couple down years. But as of right now, the future is getting brighter by the minute in Detroit. Not going to happen this season. It's not. It just just point blank, it's not the year. I talked about the Senators, and I'll talk about the Senators a little bit more later in this episode. I talked about the Senators. I talked about the Kings as teams that have been rebuilding and are getting ready to make pushes To end their rebuild and start contention for playoff spots. The Red Wings are not in that conversation yet. Adding a guy like Alex Nedeljkovic in net is huge. I like that addition. The guy was a Calder finalist last year as a goaltender. You don't see that too, too often. And he was a great goalie for the Carolina Hurricanes. A team that was threatening to win the President's Trophy. I understand James Reimer was there. I understand Peter Morazic was there. And he split some starts. But all intents and purposes, Alex Nedeljkovic, by the end of the season, was that team's goalie. And that was a very, very talented team. So Steve Eisman bringing in Nedeljkovic, that is a good, astute move by one of the best general managers in the NHL. Obviously, you see what he built in Tampa. Julian Breezebaugh is kind of reaping the rewards there, but Breezebaugh has also done well himself. But Eiserman built the foundations of what we just saw, a back-to-back championship team. And it looks like he's trying to do the same thing in Detroit, and it looks like he's doing it well. They have a lot of young players that are very, very promising. A lot of promising prospects there. Now, it, it might not be as deep of a prospect pool as, say, a Los Angeles Kings, who seem to have... Really, really good prospects throughout their system. But the top end in Detroit, I mean, they have a lot. They have a deep prospect pool, but the top end there, I mean, Philip Zadina, Lucas Raymond, Moritz Sider. I mean, I had Doug Gladke, who I joined for Checking TV last week. I had Doug Gladke tell me he thinks Moritz Sider could be a colder guy this year. He could be a guy that goes out and contends for the Calder Trophy. You know, I understand he, he mentioned that to me as a hot take. But at the same time, is it that far off if he, if he plays the whole season? I mean, the excitement in Detroit is growing. And it's not going to be long before we see that spoked wheel with the wings behind it back in the postseason. It's not going to be this year. It's not. They're set to take several steps forward, I think. I think they're still going to be in the bottom of this division, mainly because it is a very competitive division. They're still going to be the bottom here. They're going to get a decent draft pick again next year. And possibly next offseason, you see Steve Eiserman start to bring guys in. He re-signed Jacob Verana. I think that was a really good move. Verana, since coming over in the Anthony Mantha trade with Washington, played extremely well for Detroit. Now, Verana's not going to help you defensively, but... Some offensive firepower, putting some butts in the seats, getting the fans excited. That's what Verona is going to do. He's going to be an exciting player to watch this year. Obviously, so is Tyler Bertuzzi. Obviously, so is Dylan Larkin. Those guys are still there. A nice story. They also signed Bobby Ryan to a PTO. I hope he makes that team because I love Bobby Ryan's story. So he might be good as well. I realize I'm taking a lot of time on these bottom teams, but that's all right. Because the Detroit Red Wings are set to take steps forward this year. They're still not out of the rebuild. But they are definitely loading up for something. And I'm excited to see what that is. It's just not going to be this year. Unfortunately for them. Let's move over to the defending Stanley Cup runner-ups in the Montreal Canadiens. Boy, have they had an offseason. It has been interesting for the Montreal Canadiens. Obviously, injuries, a big storyline heading into the season. They might not have Shea Weber at all this season. He's definitely going to miss at least the first half, I would imagine. I I doubt he's going to play. I I never want to say never, especially with a guy that's like a man, like Shea Weber. You you don't count him out completely, but I mean, the guy is at an advanced stage. He suffered a really serious injury. I hope it's not the end for Shea Weber, but it might be. Point is, the captain for the... Montreal Canadiens is not going to be there. He won't. Carey Price is set to be ready tentatively for the beginning of the season, which is good, but he's still coming off of a knee surgery. So how is he going to respond as a goalie coming off a knee surgery? Quick turnaround. I don't know. I don't know if he's I don't he's tented he's supposed to be ready for the regular season last I checked, but I don't know how that's going to go. And then also you have a guy like Paul Byron starting on the injured reserve to start the season. Another roster player there. I mean, you have a forward, a defenseman, and a goaltender all dealing with injuries going into the season. Plus, you had one of the shortest off-seasons, you and the Tampa Bay Lightning, in the NHL. You also, you lose a guy like Jesperi Kotkaniemi to the offer sheet. We all know how that worked out. I mean, it, it did help them in the end. I, I think Christian Dvorak this season is going to be better than Jasperi Kotkaniemi. And the picks you got for Cockney Emmy allowed you to go get a guy like Christian Dvorak, which they needed because their center depth is not there. It's not. Christian Dvorak is probably going to be their second-line center. I mean, good for him. He gets out of Arizona, goes to Montreal, a team that went to the Stanley Cup last year. So it's interesting. We'll get to see what Christian Dvorak can do in a really big market like Montreal. <laughs> really big market. One of the biggest markets in the league. The light is going to shine brightest on Nick Suzuki this year. Because Philip Denoa also left. He went to LA. It's it's Nick Suzuki's time. So I'm going excited to see how he steps up because it's going to be an increased role. Not that he didn't have a big role last year. But he is going to be the guy now in Montreal when it comes to center play. He's the guy. Does it help that you get Jonathan Drouin back? It does. I love Duran's story. You know, he sat out last season. He came out and said he sat out last season point blank. I was dealing with mental health issues is what he said. And I commend him. The hardest thing to do is to get to that reality and to do something about it. And he was able to do it. So I commend him for that. I'm excited to see him come back because he is an electrifying player. And I think the Montreal Canadiens are happy to have him back. And from all intents and purposes, it sounds like that team had his back throughout it, which is even better. You love to see it. Josh Anderson came out and talked about it, said he talked to Duran all the time last year, not even about hockey, just about life. And that's what you love to see. And that's, that's part of the reason why this team was so successful in the playoffs last year is because they played for each other. Tyler Toffoli mentioned it whenever whenever he was talking on 32 thoughts, the podcast, this team played for each other last year. It was amazing. And now you add Jonathan Duran to that mix, and it seems like he's in a better headspace, and we're all happy for him, and it's great. I'm excited to see Jonathan in But I think when you look at the Montreal Canadiens, the biggest storyline is going to be Cole Caulfield. I mean, Nick Suzuki is going to have the 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 headlights on him. I don't I don't know where I lost the spotlight. Brain fart there a little bit. So Nick Suzuki is going to have the spotlight on him, but luckily for him, Cole Caulfield is going to share it at some points. Caulfield came up last year at the end of last season. And at this point, it seems like he's an NHL regular, doesn't it? I mean, he is from here on out the rest of his career. He's never he's never going to go down to the minors again unless he gets a rehab stint or something. But it seems like Cole Caulfield, seems like he's been around the block. He's still going to be a rookie this year. Right now, the odds-on favorite to win rookie of the year, him and his buddy Trevor Zegers. We'll get to that in a second. But when you look at Cole Caulfield, last year, he played in 30 games. Now, only 10 of them are in the regular season, which is why he gets to remain a rookie this season. But last year in the regular season, he came up, potted four goals, scored five points in 10 games. Not a bad start. Enough for him to earn the opportunity to play in some playoff games. And he became a really important piece that helped the Montreal Canadiens to the Stanley Cup Finals. Four goals, 12 points, and 20 playoff games as a rookie, as a young rookie. So yeah, he's a favorite to win rookie of the year this year. He's an electrifying player. He's fun to watch. And is he going to score 40 goals? His buddy says so. (laughs) Here's the tweet from Sportsnet that also has the tweet from Trevor Zegras as the NHL said, who is your, uh, I I believe it's, who do you want to see this season? Let me double check that. Oh, what is your biggest hot take this season is what they said. It's right there, but it's a little too small for me to see. And Trevor Zegris said 40 goals for Cole Caulfield. Are we surprised? No, I mean, these guys are friends. They played on Team USA together. These guys have known each other for a long time. These guys are both going to be electrifying rookies this year. And they're going to be head-to-head for that Calder. I mentioned in my last episode, I think Marco Rossi is a dark horse. And I think Marco Rossi can take it. But these guys aren't going to make it easy. Especially Cole Caulfield. Because he's playing with... Better teammates than Trevor Zegras. Let's just be honest about it. So yeah, Cole Caulfield, is he going to score 40? That might be a little much. I don't know if I quite buy that, Trevor, but you know what? I think he's going to be electric. I think he's going to put in goals. He is a goal scorer, so that makes sense. I think he's going to be one of the most fun storylines to watch this year. is how Cole Caulfield matures in his first full season in Montreal. So far, it doesn't seem like the lights have been too bright for him. We'll see if that changes. Let's finish off this segment talking about the Ottawa Senators. I know some of you were on bated breath. I'm not putting the Ottawa Senators in the top four of this division. I have them in the bottom four. I do think they're a team that, I mean, listen, last year, they finished extremely hot. They're an extremely young team. They can take steps forward. I wouldn't be surprised. I think that they're going to be a good team this year. And I I misspelled Senators, so I'm going to take that lower third right off the screen. I had an interview, obviously, with Shane Ryan on episode four of the Hockey Hotbed. Go back and listen to that as we go really in-depth on expectations for the Ottawa Senators this year. What went well for them last year. What we can expect from some young players like Tim Stutzla this year. But at the end of the day, this team... Do I think they could push a playoff spot? Not in this division. I I, I don't I, I don't know. I think they could make it close, but I, I don't think they quite get in. I don't quite have them in the top four because if you look at the top four teams that I'm, I'm going to talk about after the break, man, it it is a very strong division here. Talking about a team that went to the Stanley Cup Finals and the Canadians and putting them in the bottom four of a division, that's a tough division. And the Sens are young. Listen, they have a lot of growing to do. And I think this is going to be a great year for it. But if you look at the Sens, they also have still yet to sign Brady Kachuk. I let off this show by saying that. Who is, if you go back and listen to that interview with Shane Ryan on episode four, Brady Kachuk is going to be this team's captain sooner rather than later. Possibly the second he steps on the ice in the regular season. For the Senators, he's going to have a C on his chest. I mean, that was Shane's hot take. It might be A little bit of hyperbole, but realistically, it's not that far off. So they need to get that deal done with Brady Kachuk. Because he will head up a very, very young core of forwards. The average age of their forwards right now is 24 years old. That is ridiculous. 24 years old. One of the youngest teams in the NHL. And it's not like these forwards are just scrubs. These are some really talented young studs. They finished last season. I said they finished on a hot streak. They finished in their last eight games 6-1-1 in the Canadian division. They were forced to be reckoned with at the end of last season. They ruined single-handedly almost every one of my parlays whenever they played the Montreal Canadiens last year because they had their number. Is that going to help this year? Obviously, they're in the same division again. The Ottawa Senators are a team that's going to be able to play spoiler all year long. And possibly hang around to play meaningful games late in the season. Do I think they push for the playoffs? Where we stand right now? No, I don't think they do. Do I think that they stick around and they play some meaningful games in February and March? Yeah, I think they do. I think for that to happen, they need Matt Murray to step up and revert back to his Stanley Cup self. It's been a couple of years since we've seen that. Do I know if that's a possibility? I don't know. Shane Ryan, he is confident that if Matt Murray switches the dark pads, that it'll get done. I guess guess we'll have to keep an eye out on that. But in all reality, this team is young. This team is interesting. This team is fun to watch. I love their jerseys. They're going to have a rough time making the playoffs, but they're going to be able to play spoiler each and every game that they go into. Because I still feel that around the league, they're not taken seriously. This is the year that we're going to have to start taking the senators seriously. And they might not make it all the way to the postseason, but they're definitely going to show us something this season. I'm going to take a quick break because I'm getting tired and I need a drink of water. I'm getting old. I'm about to hit 25 years old, that whole quarter century. But when I come back from the break, I will be refreshed and I'll be talking about the top four teams in this Atlantic division. What are the most competitive divisions in 2021 22? You can bookmark that. That is that is as good as steel settled into a building. That is solid right there. This is going to be one of the most competitive. Honestly, you know what? No, this is the most competitive division in the NHL going into this season. So I'm going to take a quick break. When I come back, I'll tell you who the top four teams are in this division, and I'll preview each and every one of them. I'll be right back. Week three of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week four with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up, because you don't want to miss this. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any game this week to receive $150 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game this weekend. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com/sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-NINE-WITH-IT. Welcome back to the Hockey Hotbed. We're talking about the Atlantic Division. And as I look down at my watch and see what day it is, we are two weeks away from puck drop, so these previews, of course, are so much fun, but I'm ecstatic to bring you the content that I have set up for whenever we get into the season. We have three stars of the week. We have power rankings. We have a lot of fun guests coming on to talk hockey and talk about How the teams in their respective areas are playing. Because we are part of the Hockey Podcast Network, which as you know if you're a Hockey Podcast Network fan, has teams and podcasts in every single market. Plus some specialty podcasts like Tales with TR, like House of Hockey Podcast, and many, many more. I like to think that we're a specialty podcast here at the Hockey Hotbed. I don't know why I say we. This is a a one-man organization for right now. But I like to say we, even though I need to start saying I. I need to get used to that. I will continue to talk about the Atlantic Division to close out this show. I gave you my bottom four teams in segment number one. And now to close out the show in this segment, I'll give you my top four teams in what is, and I I said this right before the break, going to be the most interesting and most... What's the word I even used? Wow. Wow. Take too long of a break and you forget everything. It's going to be a very fun division to watch this year. Close competition. And part of that is going to be the Toronto Maple Leafs. Once again, have to hit the reset button after another first round loss in the postseason last year. The Toronto Maple Leafs bring back practically, I mean, their core, their core is not going anywhere. At least not yet. After this season, who knows if, if they fail again to, to make any noise in the postseason. But the biggest change to me going into this season is that they are full go on the Jack Campbell era in Toronto. It, it is his time. Now, they did bring in Peter Mrazek to back him up or possibly be the 1B. I mean... That's the question right now for me. I know that they are very comfortable with Jack Campbell, but it is a very small sample size. The guy has never played as a starter in a full 82-game season. I know he got a consistent amount of starts in Los Angeles. I know he played a lot for Toronto last year. I know he set some, some records last year for Toronto with that great start. Can he do it over an 82-game season? Will he be ran ragged? By that coaching staff, like they did with Freddie Anderson. I hope not, because I mean, it's part of the reason why the Toronto Maple Leafs haven't been able to do anything in the postseason. Last year had to sting a lot, though. You know, being up three to one to Montreal and losing, that had to sting. These guys, in media days and all their media availabilities, have said, you know, that's in the past. We're not thinking about it. I could tell you one thing for sure the fans are thinking about it. And I'm sure the players are too, a little bit, but, you know, to no avail. They won't break, and they move forward this season. So let's move forward talking about this upcoming season. I'm not worried about their chances of success in the regular season. I'm not. This team is going to be good. This team is going to put up ridiculous numbers in the regular season. I'll get to some of their players. They're going to do ridiculous things once again, because that is what the Toronto Maple Leafs do in the regular season. They perform at a high level. Sheldon Keefe is going to have those boys going the exact same way that he's had them going since he took over. And they're going to be good. They're not going to be an easy team to beat in the regular season. They're going to be high-flying, high-scoring, and I do believe Jack Campbell is going to have a good season. But it's still a question mark to me. There is a sense around Toronto and a sense around the league that this may be their last go and their last chance before they need to make a change to that core. Who that is, I don't know. William Nylander has always been the guy that, all right, well, if we need to reset, if we need to get some space, Nylander can go. I'm not so sure that John Tavares might not be a name that comes up. I know that's not breaking news to anybody, but I understand he's the captain. But when you want to go with young guys, and I had to get rid of one of those big contracts, it might be John Tavares, because I think that Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, those guys, I think they're ready to lead. That's why John Tavares was brought in because these young guys needed somebody to lead them, needed a veteran. And John Tavares is also an extremely talented hockey player that is probably one of the top centers in the league. So yeah, you bring him in when you have the chance. But I'm not so sure that he's not the guy that goes. But the point is, if they cannot do it again in the postseason, like I said, the regular season, not going to be an issue. If they can't pull it off in the postseason, changes might have to be made. And John Tavares might be one of those names. Morgan Riley, of course, another name that there's a lot of uncertainty after this season. But we'll have to see. Talking specifically about this season, their star, their stud, the cover athlete for NHL 22, Austin Matthews, he comes into the season dealing with a wrist issue. He said it's no big deal. He said he's going to be good to go. He's just dealing with a little bit right now. He's the reigning Rocket Richard Trophy winner, and I would expect him to contend once again for that trophy. But when you look at this team, they obviously need Matthews to be healthy. They need Mitch Marner to be healthy. They need William Nylander. They need John Tavares. We saw what happened when John Tavares and Jake Muzzin were out last year. They lost that playoff series. But Austin Matthews is the guy. He's one of the most marketable faces in the NHL. I know I rolled my eyes a little bit when he was unveiled as the cover athlete, but from a marketing standpoint, it made sense. From the standpoint of let's market the league a little bit better, I don't I don't know if it did. Uh, it marketed the game perfectly though, so I can't I can't get too mad at it. So Austin Matthews, yeah, he's going to go out there and he's going to perform. That's expected. I still think Mitch Marner is very underrated as far as national attention and national media. Last year he had 20 goals and 67 points in 55 games played. Yeah, that's good for fourth in the NHL. You know, take away Connor McDavid because he's not human and Leon Dreisaitl because he really isn't either. That's second among actual human beings in scoring last year. The only person better besides McDavid and Dreisaitl was Brad Marchand. Then it's Mitch Marner. And then it's Austin Matthews. Is he underrated? Yeah, I think he's underrated as a regular season player. Postseason, yeah, he hasn't had the success. I mean... He is the single-player embodiment of the Toronto Maple Leafs. (laughs) Zero goals, four assists in last year's playoffs. He needs to be better in the postseason, but there's nothing wrong with Mitch Marner, the regular season player. He's great. He's still going to be great. And the Toronto Maple Leafs are still going to be great. Come back to me in April, and we'll discuss what we can expect from the Toronto Maple Leafs and and what we think is going to happen to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Come back to me in April with that. I will leave you with one last thought. On the Toronto Maple Leafs, though, one last thought: I still love their goal song. My my co-host at Tip of the Iceberg, Nick Horwat, he's not a fan of their goal song, and a lot of people aren't. I still like it. I think it's great. I, I really do. You know, if you don't know, it is "You Make My Dreams" by Hall and Oates. Listen, it's not a typical NHL goal song. I think it fits their team pretty well. I mean, it, it, it really does. This team is not really like a gritty team. This team is not a team that's going to beat you up. And that song does not make you think of somebody that's going to beat you up. It, it it doesn't. I don't know. I, I enjoy it because I think it's different. That That's why I enjoy it. But enough about talking about music and goal songs, because we all know the best is still Chelsea Dagger in Chicago. Now I want to talk about a team that's going to score plenty of goals. Probably the sexy pick to win this division. And that's the Florida Panthers. Everybody is jumping on the Florida Panthers bandwagon. And, and, you know, why not? Why not jump on the Florida Panthers bandwagon? There's a reason it's the sexy pick for the division championship. They were great last year. Nobody expected them to be as good as they were last season. Yet they were. They're going to be good this year. They added a guy like Sam Reinhart. He gets to actually play for a good team. What's going to happen? He might score 30. That might be a bit much. But, you know, he might score 20 easily. He might be a superstar. He might be an all-star. Now, I don't want to get uh, too away from myself because he's not going to be a first-line guy on this team. He's not going to be the main attraction. He's not. Luckily for him, because he had to be that in Buffalo next to Jack Eichel. And, yeah, we we all know how that went. I talked about that earlier. So they added Sam Reinhart. They also added a guy like Jumbo Joe Thornton. Now, I don't think anybody was saying the Florida Panthers needed veteran help. But it doesn't hurt. You know, Joe Thornton is looking for a Stanley Cup. A lot of people want to see him get a Stanley Cup. And he hitches his wagon where a lot of people have hitched their wagons this year. That's Florida. A lot of people are jumping on the bandwagon. Joe Thornton, one of them. He goes to Florida looking for that first Stanley Cup. I'd like to see it. There's other people I'd like to see win. More, but, you know, I wouldn't be mad seeing Joe Thornton with the Stanley Cup. Goes to the Florida Panthers. He by no means is the main attraction there either. They locked up Sam Bennett, who came over and played extremely well. Coming over from Calgary last season. They locked up Anthony Duclair, who had a really good year for them and I think is going to be really good again this year. They did lose a guy like Alex Wenberg, who I think is going to be fantastic for Seattle. If you go back and li- listen to my entire episode that I talked about the Seattle Kraken, I think Alex Weinberg is going to have a breakout season there for them. And they also lost Chris Drieger, who's a d- very talented goaltender. It's not, not fun losing a goaltender of that ability. Now, Drieger, listen, he's going to be a starter in this league. He, he's probably going to be a 1B up there with Philip Grubauer, but he could be a starter in this league. On most teams, he is the starter in this league. He was in a little bit of a carousel in Florida. They lose them and it's unfortunate, but they still have two very capable and very good goaltenders. Is it Spencer Knight time? I hope. From what I saw last season of Spencer Knight, I am very excited to see how the Spencer Knight era kicks off this year. Now, obviously, Coach Quenville is probably going to start off with Bobrovsky. He's probably going to start with the 12-year NHL vet, the former Vezina trophy winner. The guy that basically single-handedly helped carry the Columbus Blue Jackets past a historically good Tampa Bay Lightning team. Didn't hurt that they also had Artemi Panarin. I don't need to get into that. But yeah, Sergei Bobrovsky is good at hockey. Yeah, he is probably one of the most overpaid players in hockey. I'm not a guy that likes to pay goaltenders more than $10 million. Especially for as long as they're paying Sergei Bobrovsky. So yeah, I think Sergei is once again going to be the opening starter for the Florida Panthers. How long is his leash? Ah, probably not long. You know? I mean, Spencer Knight is probably going to balance in with some 1B action to start. Then I think by at least the halfway point of the season, we're probably going to see Spencer Knight as the 1A. Probably not the number one starter with Bobrovsky as the solid backup. It's probably going to be a 1A, 1B situation, but I think it starts out Bobrovsky 1A, Spencer Knight 1B, and then it flip-flops halfway through the season. That's my prediction. Especially because I think Spencer Knight is ready. Who did Quenville go to in the playoffs last year when the Panthers were pretty much down and out against the Tampa Bay Lightning? Yeah, Spencer Knight. Probably waited a little too long to go to Spencer Knight, to be completely honest. One last note here on the Florida Panthers. Their stars are Alexander Barkov and Jonathan Huberto, and I understand they're not the big stars in the league. They're not looked at as the major superstars from Florida but they're not underrated anymore. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear, oh, you know what? Nobody's giving Barkov and Huberto credit. They're getting plenty of credit now. The thing is, let's not give them too much credit. They're they're tops in the league. Barkov is a perennial Selkie trophy candidate. And Jonathan Huberto is a guy that's going to be in the top 20 in scoring. Barkov probably too. Honestly, these guys can both be in the top 20 in scoring. And I would not be surprised. The league was put on notice last year by the Florida Panthers that they are here and they are ready to be contenders. And this year is the first year that we're going into a season with this group of Florida Panthers in that spot. That's why they're the sexy pick. That's why I've heard some people say, hey, you know what this team, this team could, this team could win the division. This team is, is probably my, my pick to win the division. I wouldn't go that far, but I wouldn't be shocked. I think there's another team that's going to win this division in the regular season. And it's not the Florida Panthers. They might come in second. They, I mean, they might come in first because I'm not always right. But if I had to put money on it, I'm not putting my money on the Florida Panthers. At least not yet. I'm also not going to put my money on the Boston Bruins. But I do like what they've done. I think they, offensively and forward-wise, did one hell of a job this offseason. Don Sweeney. Did a fantastic job this offseason. Obviously, number one priority was, can we bring back Taylor Hall? They traded for him last year. Only played in 16 games in the regular season, but considering the way he looked when he was in Arizona... Arizona. Not Arizona, Buffalo. I forget. I mean, he played for so many bad teams before he finally got to Boston that kind of gets mixed up. Went from Buffalo to Boston. Only scored, what, like two goals in, in Buffalo at the start of the season? Goes to Boston, scores eight goals, 14 points in 16 games. All of a sudden, Taylor Hall has risen. What did Boston do? Oh, it's simple. They just didn't make him the superstar. Boston is a, is a great place for Taylor Hall to play. And he knows that. That's why he's back. That's why he signed the four-year deal. Yeah, in the postseason, his numbers did not continue to stay as steady as they did in the regular season. Three goals, five points, in 11 playoff games. You know, not gone by any sense of the word, but there was a decline in his play a little bit. But he started to look more like that Hart Trophy Taylor Hall that we saw that season in, in New Jersey. And it also, it just looks right. If you see the picture, if I have the video up somewhere, the picture of Taylor Hall in black and gold and Boston black and gold, I should say. It it, it looks right. It looks like it's supposed to look. He could be a second liner there. He doesn't even have to be on the first line. He doesn't have to be one of the top three players on the team. I understand he played on an Edmonton Oilers team where there were also some fairly good players. You know, young Connor McDavid. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is pretty good. But the expectations were still there. I mean, Boston is an original six team. I understand it. But when you're playing behind the perfection line, and whether Boston fans like it or not, it is the perfection line. It When you're playing behind them, your expectations are not as high. And that's why I think Taylor Hall thrived last year. And that's why I think Taylor Hall is going to thrive this year in his first full season there. So that was obviously great. He didn't have to be the star. Now, apart from Taylor Hall, you bring back that entire perfection line. Is it Bergeron's last season in Boston? I guess that's a conversation. I mean, he is playing on a contract year. He is 36 years old. It is going to be harder to sign everybody for Boston, but it's Patrice Bergeron, guys. He's the best defensive forward in the NHL and has been for the past decade. Oh, and he's pretty good offensively, too. Let's also mention that. But let's not look too far ahead if you're Boston. That's that's not going to help you this season. Look at what you have here in the perfection line. Look at what you have here in Taylor Hall. Look at what you added as well. And a guy like Nick Folino. Underrate, uh, underrated signing across the NHL is Nick Foligno going to Boston. Also underrated. Eric Holla. It feels like Eric Halla should have been a Boston Bruin his entire career. Not for any other reason. But when I see him in a Boston Bruins jersey... It just kind of looks like it fits. I don't know why. So, I'm excited to see what he does. I hope he plays well, because if he doesn't, then it's going to look like it fits, but it's not really going to fit, and that's never good for anybody. They also added Thomas Noshik, underrated player that's been really good for Vegas. He played really well when he was in Vegas. So, I mean, great forward depth with Boston Bruins. Their forward depth can go toe-to-toe with, I think, anybody in this division. I don't think that's an issue. The defense is another year more experienced. That was the issue. Obviously, you lose char. The experience, you know, kind of tips the median down a little bit. But you still are led by Charlie McAvoy, who has now been a leader for an entire season on that back end. So that's good. And you look at other guys like Matt Grizzlick and the rest of those guys that are on that back end. And yeah, they're another year older. They're another year older. That can only be a good thing. If you're Boston, because they were so young last year, they were so inexperienced last season. They're another year older. That's going to help. Then you get into the goaltending and that's what scares me. You lose Yaroslav Halak and Dan Vladar. Now Halak has been their fail safe whenever Rask has, you know, whether he's, he's faltered, whether he's wavered, no matter what's happened, they've always had a guy in Yaroslav Halak that can become a 1A in the snap of his fingers. He's gone. He's not there anymore. Dan Vladar, a guy that, you know, not too much experience. But last year he played well whenever he had the opportunity. And he has played well in the league when he has the opportunity. He's now in Calgary. Not a factor in this team. They bring in a guy like Linus Allmark, and I'm hoping for their sake that Linus Allmark hits. I'm hoping they hit the mark on that signing. Because if Allmark can come in and be... If he can be a 9-10 goalie, and save percentage, and keep his goals saved above average at a relatively decent clip, that's going to put the Boston Bruins in the top of this division. They have the forward depth. Their defense, I believe, is going to be good enough. If they can get the goaltending, they're going to be a top team in this division. It's up to Allmark. And Jeremy Swayman as well. I mean, Jeremy Swayman played pretty well last year in the small stints that we saw him play in. So as a backup, I'm not too worried about Jeremy Swayman, but that top end with Allmark, I'm a little worried about. Now, of course, Tukarask Rask is a storyline that we're going to have to pay attention to. He is injured, he is unsigned, but all intents and purposes, he's a Boston Bruin. Whenever he's healthy, we expect him to sign back with Boston. But that might not be till around January. So again, your goaltending situation is very fluid. You're hoping that Allmark and Swayman can hold down the fort and play well and put you in a position that if... Tuka Rask comes back healthy. And Tuka Rask is back to normal. Once he gets healthy, that he can take over and then maybe even have Allmark and Rask as a 1A1 and B. Or if Swayman can take over, maybe he'd throw him in there as well. But the Boston Bruins goaltending, it does scare me a little bit. That's, you know, if they would have better goaltending, shored up, and probably a little bit, a little bit better on the defensive end, I'd say they were the shoe in to win this division. And this is a good division, but the goaltending and still a little bit of inexperience on the back end. I don't have them winning this division, but I do have them in the top four. Now there's one team left and I think they're going to win the division this year. They came in third place in the central division last year. And then they went on to win a back-to-back Stanley cups. And that's the Tampa Bay lightning. I mean, I understand they lost a lot and they did. When you win back-to-back Cups, you're going to lose a lot. Players are going to cash in on that Stanley Cup raise. And they did. I mean, Barkley Goodrow, way overpaid to play for the New York Rangers this year and for several years to come. Yanni Gord taking the expansion draft, probably the best, one of the best picks Seattle made. Yanni Gord as a third-line center for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, that's just money right there. So losing Gord's going to hurt probably the most out of all the guys they lost. They also lost Blake Coleman, who was such an important player to those back-to-back cup runs. He goes up to Calgary. So, that whole third line that was so important for you in the back-to-back cup lines just completely wiped out. That's difficult to come back from. They have some young studs that are going to step in there and probably going to help fill the gap, but you're not going to get what you had there. You also lose a guy like Tyler Johnson, who seems like he's been a Tampa Bay Lightning player forever. I mean... One of the few guys that were on that team in the back to backs that were also on the 2015 team. I know there was a handful of them, but I mean, Tyler Johnson was one of them. At the end of his tenure there, really only like a fourth liner, but with how deep this team is, he was still a really good player. He's, he might be a top six guy in Chicago. I know we talked about him on Friday's episode. So, yeah, they, they lost a lot. And when you look at what they added, you know, it, it doesn't quite make up for what they lost. Unfortunately for them, but I mean, that's what, that's what you're going to have when you're a Stanley cup team. You're going to lose a lot. They added a guy like Corey Perry that, yeah, he has experience. Yeah. He's raised the Stanley cup. Do I think he's as good as Barkley Goodrow was last year? Debatable. I mean, Perry's older than Goodrow was, but he plays a similar game. You know, he's rough. He does have some scoring touch still. I mean, everybody, in case you forgot when he was with the ducks, Corey Perry was a machine. He and Ryan gets lav. So yeah, Corey Perry goes down to Tampa Bay. Kind of reminds me of when they signed Chris Kunitz late in his career. So we'll see how that works out. Pierre Edward uh, Pierre Edward Belmar. French names even when they're easy they're hard. He signs down there. That's a good that's a good pickup. I like that for the Lightning. When you talk about trying to make up what you lost in that third line, a guy like Belmar is very good. People really started to pay attention to Belmore whenever he went to Vegas in the expansion draft. Played well. Helped them get to a Stanley Cup final. And then went to the Avalanche and helped them to President's Trophy winning seasons and played extremely well there. So the Tampa Bay Lightning adding a guy of his caliber. Underrated move. And to me, the best move they made all offseason actually was bringing in Brian Elliott as a backup goaltender. There's only been one other back-to-back Stanley Cup champion in the Stanley Cup era. Sorry, in the salary cap era. Another SC. That's the Pittsburgh Penguins. They didn't have a goaltender in that back-to-back series that played all 16 games. Mark andre Fleury played half of 2017 playoffs. Matt Murray played the other half. Andre Vasilevsky has carried the responsibilities in net throughout both of these postseason runs. And he's also started a majority, a very large majority, of the regular season games as well. This was a shorter offseason than normal. There hasn't been an 82-game season since 2018-19. It's going to be tough for Andre Vasilevsky to run the gauntlet for a third straight season. So bring in a guy like Brian Elliott. A guy that, you know, how much wisdom does he have to impart on Vasilevsky? A lot. How much wisdom does he need to impart on Vasilevsky? Not very much. But that's the role that he has been in in Philadelphia for Carter Hart. Now Elliott comes down to Tampa Bay behind a guy that has already established himself as perennially one of the top two goaltenders in the NHL. So he can just sit there and be the backup. And I, I think he's he's fine with that role because it's going to get him close to a Stanley Cup in Tampa. Their favorites once again. But it's going to be able to give a guy like Andre Vasilevsky a blow. I think Elliott is good enough to take a little bit more of the starts from Vasilevsky than the backups he's had in the past couple of seasons. If that can happen, and Vasilevsky doesn't have to play as many games and Tampa Bay can still be a division champion, which I, I do project them to be this year, they're going to win this division in my opinion, then that's huge. Because it's all about getting guys like Vasilevsky... Headman, Stamkos, Point, Kucherov, getting them to the postseason healthy and rested, especially after how much hockey has been played in the past two years for this team. So while I do mention, yeah, Tampa Bay lost a lot this season. I mean, they still have Stamkos. They're running it back with Stamkos, Point, Kucherov, Sorelli, Kalorn, Palat. They're still running it back with one of the deepest forward cores in NHL history. Really, I mean... The top-end talent on this team is unbelievable. And with that, we're also going to see a guy like Ross Colton. He scored the game-winning goal, the Stanley Cup clinching goal last year for the Tampa Bay Lightning. He's going to return to a bigger role. We'll see what he can do. That'll be interesting. We'll see what Corey Perry can do on this team. That'll be interesting. Belmar, probably going to play extremely well for this team, because why not? And then you look at the back end whenever I talked to Chase Crosshaw on the inaugural episode of the Hockey Hotbed back in early September when we weren't this close to the season and when I didn't have the jitters because hockey was almost back. We talked to him about how underrated the blue line has been for the Tampa Bay Lightning through these runs. Victor Hedman, Mikhail Sergachev, Ryan McDonough, Eric Cernak, all back. And this team, this Tampa Bay Lightning team is ready to go for the three-peat. They're ready to, to touch the heights that the New York Islanders of the eighties touched. Do I think they can do it? It's going to be interesting. I think they can do it. I think they win this division. One of the deepest divisions, one of the most competitive divisions or the most competitive division in the NHL this season, Tampa Bay lightning book it Atlantic division champions of the regular season. Does that mean anything to them? No, not when you've won back to back cups, but you know, it is what it is. That's going to do it for this episode of the Hockey Hotbed, our Atlantic Division Preview. As I mentioned at the top of the show, Friday's episode will circle around the Pacific Division. So we go from the most competitive division in hockey this year to probably the the least competitive division and, and the worst division in hockey when we talk about the Pacific on Friday. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. We are two weeks away from puck drop. 14 days. Pat Maroon. Is Pat Maroon number 14? He's either 14 or... No, yeah, he's 14. Pat Maroon days. Back to back to back. Stanley Cup champion Pat Maroon days left until the start of the NHL regular season. When we get to see Pat Maroon and the Tampa Bay Lightning raise their second straight banner and take on the Pittsburgh Penguins to kick off the 2021-22 NHL season. But like I said, that is going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, you can get this podcast wherever you download your podcast. Just make sure you you click that download button, possibly even the subscribe button. And if you want to rate us at five stars, that would also be very helpful. I would appreciate it a lot. But that's going to do it for this episode. I keep saying that so much. I just, I love talking to you guys. I enjoy it. It's fun. We'll see you guys on Friday. Have a good week, hockey fans.